0: morning. Please join me in the responsive call to praise. I will read the small print and I invite you to join me in the large print. We'll have that up in just a moment.
1: You're good. It's up there.
0: Come to this place of peace and hope Come to this place of comfort and encouragement. God is a tender friend who knows and cares about all your concerns. He is eager to spend time with you. He alone is worthy of our praise and adoration. Come now, let us worship him. In isaiah 46 god says i am your god and will take care of you until you are old and your hair is gray don't you just love that i mean what a statement of god's abiding love and care there will never be a day when his mercies fail In Matthew 11, Jesus reminds us of how much we are loved and cared for by our wonderful God. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As we prepare our hearts for worship this morning, let's remember how well we are loved and cared for by our wonderful God.
1: we'll have a baptism
2: okay so we have Martin in the tank and we have a profession of faith and Greg and Greg if you could stand up for us too okay And I'm going to ask these uh, short baptismal vows uh, to the candidates here. So the first question is, in response to Christ's perfect life and sacrificial death for you, do you accept him as your personal Savior and the Lord of your life? Do you accept the teachings of God's inspired word, the Holy Bible, as expressed in the fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, And do you desire to live your life in harmony with these teachings by God's grace and power? Yes. Because of God's great faithfulness to you, is it your decision to be baptized as a public expression of your faith in Jesus Christ and in the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And the last question, is it your desire to be accepted into the fellowship of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, either by profession of faith or baptism, and to support the church in its mission as faithful stewards by your personal influence, giving, and life of service to your Lord. Thank you. okay. Amen. All right, now I'm gonna read uh, their favorite verses. I'll start with uh, Martin. And his is, of course, Psalms 23, a very popular psalm. But I'm just going to read verses 1 and 6. So starting with verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Greg, uh, his favorite verse is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Praise God.
3: This time we'll have the baptism, but I don't know if Martin or Aubrey would. I think Aubrey's going to be the spokesman here. <laughs> so. okay.
4: Where do I begin with my journey with Martin? It was probably about three years ago. My wife had come down to, on a Friday night to do a praising practice. And Martin had walked in through the side door there and wanted to know if something was happening down here because he saw cars in the parking lot. <laughs> so my wife says, no, we're just practicing. But if you come back tomorrow, you can hear us you know, sing and there'll be something happening then. Uh, so then she was asking him who he was. And he said he was, his name was Martin and about his younger brother, Troy. And she said, "Troy, hmm. yeah." And she goes. So he says, "Do you know a guy named Aubrey? He used to be my little brother Troy's big brother." So we came full circle around, and Martin has been studying with me ever since. And praise the Lord! Today he's rededicating his his life to the Lord.
3: Amen. 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 Hallelujah.
4: Martin, no speech force? <laughs> no. Okay. He right. did me.
3: And now, Martin, because of your love for God and your desire to serve Him with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. We, Greg come a little closer. Uh,
2: yeah. from... yeah, we'll
3: okay. Okay. Just want to have a prayer to close this part of the service. We're so thankful for our new brother in the faith Come on. Right, all right. Grateful, <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> and Greg, of course, we're gonna have a prayer for both of them here coming up. it's so just have a prayer at this point. We could do it. Why don't you do it now? Yeah, yeah. bring, bring Greg over. Let's have that prayer right now. <clears throat> and Brother Greg came to, was it Taj's evangelistic series? Well I remember? Is that right? Which evangelistic series did you? You came to at least one of them. Oh, yeah. A couple. Or Um Pastor Torres, I believe. No, Torres might have been Pastor Torres. All right. Great. Great, Praise the Lord. We want to have a special prayer for both of them as our new members here. And we might as well just go ahead and vote them in right now. Look for a motion to accept these people. There's a motion, a second. All in favor, raise your hand. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's all your new family, guys, Greg and Martin. And uh, we're just so thankful for the way that God is working in your life. Obviously, baptism is not the end. It's a beginning. But uh, God has promised to be with you. Let your heart not be troubled. All right, let's pray. Gracious we're grateful for the decisions that have taken place and have culminated today in this baptism. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to seek them out with your goodness and mercy, following them all the days of their life and strengthen them, Lord, with your mighty strength as we look forward for your second coming so very soon. Thank you, dear Holy Spirit. Come upon them in a special way. Anoint them for your service, Lord. You're calling them into your team, into your army. And Lord, you want to use them mightily for your glory. We thank you in advance for doing these things because we ask it in the precious and saving name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Turn in your Bibles to John 14 this morning, this perennial favorite of Christians one of three passages that people just love year after year when they take surveys. John 14 is right up there with 1 Corinthians 13 and Romans 8. So turn there, and when you don't know exactly where you're going to end with your sermon, you have someone read a very long scripture reading. So that's where that came from. I want to start with a story because this is Jesus' last words. Only John writes these down. The other, the synoptics don't have what we have here in John from 14 through 17. And it's Jesus' farewell words. Have you ever been in a situation where someone was leaving or dying and you were there to hear their farewell words? It's pretty important stuff, isn't it? If you're able to do that. I've told this story before of my own situation where My dad was passing away. We lived in North Carolina at the time. He was in Florida, and he was literally on death's bed. They'd taken him out of the bedroom and out into the living room. He was on a rented hospital bed, so to speak. And I, growing up, wasn't the greatest kid in the block, probably, or even in the family. I was the youngest of eight. I always say by the time I got there, there really wasn't much left that hadn't been done. So that was probably a good thing. But when I heard dad was breathing his last, I thought, you know, I really wanna make things right. You know, I really wanna say some things to him and clear some things up, apologize. So I started to do that and went through some things. And dad said, you know, son, He said, I can't remember a thing. And he wasn't having memory issues. What he meant was, you know, I forgive it all. I forgive it all. That was my dad's last words. We're going to look at Jesus' last words again today, starting with John 14. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your holy word and that we can read it and study it and be changed by it. So please, Lord, as we open its pages now, give us clarity of understanding with a very, very deep passage. Give us conviction of the Spirit and give us courage and strength to follow what your word tells us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John 14. Again, the context is speaking to Peter. We talked about how the chapter divisions are not inspired. And you see the red letters start down with verse 38, and there's no break in between. So this is one thing that Jesus is saying, starting with verse 38 and then going into chapter 14. So let's start with verse 38. You know the situation, Peter was crushed, Peter was shaken, Peter was troubled, Peter was wondering, where was his faith? Although he thought he was strong, right? I will go anywhere with you. I will die for you, Lord. To which the Lord had to say back to him, you know, actually, you will deny me three times just this very night before the morning rooster crows. That would make you troubled, wouldn't it? If you weren't troubled before, that would definitely give you a cause to be a little shaken. And then chapter 14 and verse 1. Let your heart not be troubled, Peter. Let your heart not be troubled, the other ten disciples, other than Peter. Judas had already gone now. Let your hearts not be troubled. Battle Creek Church. No matter what COVID virus is around, let your heart not be troubled. God is still on his throne, still well able to take care of you and everything in your life. Let your heart not be troubled or crushed. Believe. How important is believe? Faith. Believe fully in God, Father God, believe fully in me, Jesus says. You must believe in both. The Holy Spirit will enter into the equation. That's coming up a little later. But these are two imperatives. Believe fully in Father God, believe fully in me, says Jesus. In my Father's house are many mansions, or many rooms, or maybe better put, many suites. And what a blessing to think about those rooms that God has for us. Amen? And it's not just about a room, right? You don't, you know, if you go to your, if you've been away and you come back home, you don't want, I mean, your room is, it's nice to hang out back in your room. But hopefully you also want to see your parents, right? And be with them. And that's what this is about. It's not just about a room. It's about being with the Father, being with Jesus in this sort of family setting. And the great news is you don't have to worry about no vacancy signs, right? Because you're not staying in a hotel. You're in the Father's house, and you have your very own room. This is talking about, among other things, intimate fellowship, familial connection with Father God himself. My Father's house are many mansions. And then I wonder if it hurt Jesus a little to have to say this. He's like, well, you know, if it wasn't so, surely I would have told you. But that shows where the disciples were. They weren't sure what to believe, so he had to say it. If it wasn't so, I surely would have told you. Interestingly enough, there's definitely room for us in the Father's house. There's room for us to not be troubled. But Jesus was troubled. Even here, Jesus was the one that was really troubled. He knew what was ahead of him. But all he could think about was his disciples, who he called his little children. So Jesus took our trouble that we might have his peace. Jesus was the one that found the no vacancy sign, the no room at the inn that we might have plenty of room in his kingdom. And so Jesus says, Now I go to prepare a place for you. Very important. I don't think there are still under construction signs in heaven. I don't think that's what this means. I think there's a still under construction sign right across here, though. How about you? That's where Jesus is working, right? The mansions, I think, are taken care of. The rooms, he's got the rooms taken care of, but he's working on our hearts to prepare us for the rooms, to prepare us for heaven. And when he says, I go to prepare a place for you, the immediate place he was going was the cross. And that is where he prepared the place. There's no way you could get to heaven unless Jesus made the way for you. And he did it. He said, it is finished. Christ has prepared the way for you and I to get to the Father's house, to have a life on this earth, a great life, an abundant life on this earth, even in the midst of trials, and also to have eternal life with him. Actually, eternal life begins, though, now and goes on in time or without time with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. That wonderful preparation that he made. Keep your finger there if you have to turn the page, but just a few verses forward, fast forward to verse 23 of chapter 14, because this again has to do with this, this home and the Father's house. Connected words, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, that is Judas, not Iscariot, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now that's an expansion for what he would, earlier he said you would keep his commandments. We'll look at what the word keep actually means if we get to that today. I think we will. But here he says, keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and do what? We'll make our home. We'll make our home with him. So it's about communion with God himself that this mansion is speaking of. Not only that, it's speaking of all the way to heaven, but it is speaking of that. And We can't miss that because that's the essence of heaven, being with Jesus not walking golden streets, not having a room, right? It's about Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says, and he did it. And I will come again and receive you to myself. You will come again. We immediately think of this in reference to the second coming, and I don't think it discludes that but it includes much, much more. I will come again. When Jesus left, he came again in the person. Spiritually, he came again in the person of the Holy Spirit. They were not left orphans. Jesus was there, God the Father was there, the Holy Spirit was there. And so today, you are never alone. The Holy Spirit is there with you in whatever situation you're in. There's a lot of troubled situation. There's a lot of, all of us just saying, what's that all about? But you know, Jesus is there. He's with you. He's gone to prepare a place for you. He's prepared heaven for you. He's made all the preparations through his blood. He has prepared that, that you might be in the Father's house And so he will come again in the person of the Holy Spirit. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, he says. And the way you know. Now he'd been telling them again and again And again, where he was going, he's like, remember guys, I told you I'd have to go to the cross, I'd have to die, but I'd be resurrected on the third day. And so that's exactly what he's telling him here. You know the way, the way is not an easy way. No, the way that Christ must go was the hardest way. But he prepared something for us. Right? That word prepare is the same word used of John the Baptist. He would prepare the way, right? He would prepare the path for Jesus. Now Jesus is using that of himself. I will prepare, and I will come again in the person of the Holy Spirit. Where I go, you know. I'm going to the cross, you know that, and you know the way. You know the way is extremely difficult. Christ Would taste the dregs of the hell of the Bible. He would taste the second death for each one of us so that none of us have to. If we taste the second death, it's because we chose not to accept what Jesus has done for us. Come on and say amen if that's good news. Christ is our Savior, He has prepared the way. And as we'll see as we go down in verse 6, there's no one that he's not prepared the way for. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, the righteous. Going on, Thomas now says to him, you know, we're just not getting this. Lord, we do not know where you are going. We don't know your destination, Lord. So there's no way we can know the path that you're going to get there because we don't even know where you're going. And so Jesus then said to him in verse 6, and hopefully we'll get past verse 6, but I'm not sure how far past verse 6 we'll get today because this is crucial and it's so loaded and there's so many angles you can look at it and I'm going to try to control myself this morning. Jesus said to him, I am the The way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus made the way. He was the way. We're going to go to several texts. You can keep your finger here, but we're going to go to several texts about Jesus being the way and making the way. The first one is Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. By the way, this is the new King James. This morning I've been preaching fairly regularly from that. I've got my King James up here just in case I need to... Go to it. Romans 5. Jesus is the way. He has prepared the way. He is the way. Therefore, verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom He is the way. It's through Him. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus is the way. It's through him that we have salvation today and only through him. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh this whole passage is so good. Actually, let's start back in verse 14. It says this for he himself is our peace. He's the way, the truth and the life. He's also our peace who has made both one, broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Now, he didn't do away with the Ten Commandments. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity christ defeated every enemy and that victory is yours for the taking and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near for through him there we go again he is the way through him we both have access by one spirit to the father jesus is the way Many other texts I could share on that, but I'll go back now to John 14. Jesus is the way. Jesus is also the truth. Later in John 17, it says, sanctify them through the truth. Thy what is truth? Thy word is truth. And then the word, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who's that talking about? Jesus, right? So Jesus is the word. He's the truth, and he is the life. 1 John 5, 12, he that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. It's pretty simple, isn't it, the equation there? He that has the Son has life. Our life is in him. He is our everything, and it must become more and more so as the day approaches Jesus' beautiful second coming. Well, speaking of truth, I can't resist this next point about truth, Trump, and Twitter. It's pretty difficult to get those three Ts together for me, but uh, made it. Of course, you heard of what had happened this week with President Trump and Basically challenging the fact that Twitter is allowed to edit what he says. And you might say, well, he does say some off-the-wall things sometimes, and you may be right. But where does this end? I don't know about you, but if you've been following some things on Facebook, you'll see them one day and then or on YouTube, and then the next day, they've disappeared. Why is that? Well, it's because they don't agree with their opinion. Since when do they get to be the arbiter of truth? Amen? Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have someone who will lead us to truth, and we need that someone because there's a lot of fake news out there today. A whole lot. Who gives anybody the right to do that kind of censorship, and are they censoring just one side or both sides? <laughs> I think you get what I mean here. Who gives anybody the right to fact check? Now, if I'm in a personal conversation with you, please fact check me, right? If I'm, No, Rob, that's not the way it happened, or no pastor, however you want to say it. <clears throat> but on that kind of a scale I, I think that's, and are you gonna fact check both sides or are you gonna just lean it in one direction? It's a real problem. There's a lot of power in these social media platforms, huge amounts of power, amazing amounts of power. And if they're gonna skew things in one way or, in a, or the other, that is a problem and it has nothing to do with truth. And I don't care who you listen to, You need to ask God through His Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to lead you to truth. No matter who it is. So truth, Trump, Twitter, I guess Mark Zuckerberg came out and said, you know, he's right. We shouldn't be censoring all this stuff. So we'll see where that goes. But for sure, you need to be very observant at what you read and what you hear and what you see. I'll give you just a couple of examples this week of things that I saw, and these are just from this week. Earlier in the week, I believe it was last week actually, there was a study on vitamin D, D as in dog, and it was very supportive. It didn't say it would cure. Of course, nothing will say it will cure the flu or a virus necessarily, but it said it would largely help the recovery. If you did get something, it would help your recovery massively. Well, then I see this week a headline saying, too much vitamin D is really bad for you. And if you didn't read the article, you would think, oh, I guess I better not take vitamin D. I might take too much. It might hurt me. You know how much vitamin D you have to take to hurt you? It was 60,000 whatever the measure is, milligrams, whatever it is. That's crazy. I mean, you almost have to drink a bottle of this stuff. Yeah. Vitamin D is crucial for all of us. Now that the sun's out, we're getting a little bit more. But I, I looked at the study. It was from the British Medical Journal because they just cited it, but you know, they didn't go any further. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to read the study and see what the study says. Here's what the study said. Results are this, 25 eligible randomized control trials. Not one trial, 25 trials. How many people? Total 11,321 participants. Age zero to 95 were identified. IPD were obtained, etc. cetera, so some people could be lying and so forth, so it, it's not 100%, but this is what it said. Vitamin D supplementation reduced the risk of acute respiratory tract infection among all participants. Is that crazy? And this is the thing, you better be very scared of it. Don't be scared of vitamin D. By the way, I I have to do the disclaimer or else a friend of mine will call me. (laughs) This is not medical advice. This is what I would do, okay? Um, See your healthcare team or doctor, but please, Look into vitamin D, read it for yourself. It's super needed by each one of us to keep us from getting, I believe, keep us from getting flu and virus and certainly the research is clear that it will make your recovery way faster. And many, many people are low in it. Also in that same study, Vitamin D supplementation statistically significantly reduced the risk of cancer death. Sounds like a pretty good thing to take, wouldn't you say? Well, do your own study on that. But just two other things that I want to share about zinc and vitamin C, and these were other things that were in the news Zinc deficiency affects about 2 billion people worldwide. And again, do your own research, because the study I read could be wrong. But that's what it says, and is very common in older adults. Any older adults here, don't raise your hands. Just in case we wouldn't have identified you otherwise. (laughs) 2 billion people in older adults are low on zinc, In fact, up to 30% of older adults are considered deficient in this nutrient. Numerous studies reveal that zinc supplements may protect, may, against respiratory tract infections like the common cold. What's more, supplementing with zinc may be beneficial for those who are already sick. So now you've got two things, vitamin D and zinc, that you can go home and research. But there are things out there. God has built our immune system to fight the things that are happening out there, right? Um, I'm not saying that COVID is not infective. It may be more infective than the common flu. They think it is. And that's not all bad news either. If it's more infective, that means more people already have it and herd immunity will come quicker. Another thing I saw in the news and then I will get off my (laughs) soapbox, was about that very thing, that there's more people that are uh, asymptomatic than they ever thought. They found that in a couple different places where they tested people, and all these people apparently had it, but they were asymptomatic. And they were touting that as a thing, well, we better not open up, we better not let people have church or open up anything because there's asymptomatic people out there. Well, that's true, but think of it the other way. If there's more asymptomatic people than they thought, that means it's more prevalent than they thought, and more people have already had it, so it's actually less dangerous because so many people have had it and they had no symptoms. Now, of course, the flip side of that is if it is out there more, then you could get it from virtually anybody. But again, if it's not that dangerous, then anyway, do your own research but I thought it was interesting that they would use that to try to close things down even more. Last thing, vitamin C. Clinical trial description states, vitamin C reduces inflammatory response and both prevents and shortens the duration of the common cold. Now we're talking about the common cold here. But these are super important things for all of us to know, I think. The description further states that insufficient vitamin C is related to an increased risk and severity of influenza infections. Vitamin C goes through you every day. You need to take it every day. All right, that's my little side trip here this morning. But truth is an important factor. And this thing about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, I think has been misused at times. And I'll tell you why. And now we'll go to these few slides that I have. I will say this. If anybody gets to heaven ever, it will be because of Jesus. Come on and say amen if you think that's true. Now, could there be someone who never heard of Jesus that gets to heaven? Or if they didn't hear of Jesus, they're in a little something somewhere, a little tribe. Never heard of Jesus. Nobody ever came. So they're just out. They're just out. Does that make sense? I don't think that makes sense. I don't think that's the way Jesus works. And here's a quote that I absolutely love that I wanna share with you as we close. And it's from a book called Desire of Ages, one of the greatest books on the life of Christ. If you don't have one, let one of us know, we'll try and get you connected. It says this, all who have been born into the heavenly family are in a special sense the brethren of the Lord, The love of Christ binds together the members of his family. And I hope that happens more and more with us. And wherever that love is made manifest, there the divine relationship is revealed. God in us, God in Christ, Christ in us together. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Going on, those whom Christ commends in the judgment may have known little of theology. So if some of my theological rants, you're like, I don't know where you're at, Pastor. You're, you're good. That's what this says. Those whom Christ commends in the judgment may have known little of theology, but they have cherished his principles. Where is your life? I mean, we can have theory all day long, but if your life isn't doing anything with it, Through the influence of the divine spirit, they have been a blessing to those around them. How simple is that? Be a blessing to those around you. Bloom where you're planted. Moving on. And this is fairly long, but stay with me. We're almost done. Even among the heathen. Oh, here we go. Specific to what I was saying, even among the heathen are those who have cherished the spirit of kindness before the words of life have fallen upon their ears. They've not heard the Bible. They have befriended the missionaries, even ministering to them at the peril of their own lives. You go as a missionary thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna bless somebody, I'm gonna bless somebody, and what happens? They end up blessing you. You may bless them too, certainly you would even ministering to them at the peril of their own lives. Among the heathen are those who worship God, but ignorantly. Those to whom the light is never brought by human instrumentalities, yet they will not, what does that say? Perish. They will not perish. Isn't that good news? God isn't just going to say, well, too bad. You didn't get to hear about Jesus. Boot you out. That's not the God I serve. I hope it's not the God you serve. I know it's not. They will not perish. Listen to this. Those ignorant of the written law of God, though ignorant of the written law of God, they have heard his voice speaking to them where? In nature and have done the things the law required that there's enough knowledge in what we call general revelation in nature for one to be saved and for one to be lost, I believe. They have heard his voice speaking to them in nature and have done the things the law required. Their works are evidence that the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts and they are recognized as what? Children of God. Come on and say amen. Now, there'll be in heaven some that will be a little surprised by that. It's like, How did they get here? Look at this. How surprised and gladdened, so not just surprised, but also gladdened, will be the lowly among the nations and among the heathen to hear from the lips of the Savior inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. How glad will be the heart of infinite love, God himself, as his followers look with surprise and joy at his words of approval. But not to any class is Christ's love restricted. The very concept of agape love makes it so it cannot be restricted. He identifies himself with every child of humanity. This is what Christ did when he became us. He became one of us, but he became us, all of us. And it's so important. This is why it's so important. He identifies himself with every child of humanity that we might become members of the heavenly family. He became a member of the earthly family that we might become a member of the heavenly family. He is the son of man and thus a brother to every son of and daughter of Adam. He came and became one of us. And he didn't just come, okay, I'm going to come and be one of them, and then I'm going to go back, and then I'm going to be completely what I was before. That's not what he did. He took humanity with him to heaven. He's still a divine version, of course, but he's still there in the flesh. Zechariah talks about those that are scratching their heads and saying, what is that? What are those holes in your hands? Jesus says, I was wounded in the house of my friends. What a God we serve today. He won't overlook anyone. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone from Islam ever makes it to heaven, it's because of Jesus. Jesus right? If the heathen ever make it to heaven, it's because of Jesus, even though they never heard of Jesus. But he's the only one that could make the sacrifice, and he did it. It is finished. Christ has won the battle. Now, that victory is ministered to us through the Holy Spirit. That we will get to next week. Let's pray. Father of ours, we're so grateful. For your character of love. Father, there's nobody on this planet that is restricted away from your agape love. You are seeking. Surely goodness and mercy will follow everyone till their very dying day. And Father, we're grateful that that's the kind of God you are. And Lord, we want to respond today in faith. The question might be asked, well, why send missionaries if they could possibly be saved without them? Well, there's sure a whole lot that the heathen don't know. There's sure a whole lot of life they're not living because they don't have the holy word in their hands. Oh, we must go as missionaries. But Lord, we're grateful that you count nobody out of your kingdom because of a lack of knowledge. So thank you so much that you indeed are the way, the truth, and the life. Please make your Home in our hearts. May not any room in our heart be closed to you to come and dwell in. Be with your people today. Bless them on this your holy Sabbath. And oh, Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us, draw us to yourself and to God, and use us to be a blessing to others and our communities, to our neighbors, to our work associates, to our families. May that great spirit dwell in each of our homes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. ask me to remind everybody that the offering deacons will be at the doors with buckets. Let's let's pray. Indeed, Father, your sweet holy spirit is in this place, and he's been wooing us to you since our very creation. Lord, sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't, and forgive us for those times that we don't. That's called sin. And we're grateful that we have a God who forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness and empowers us to be different than we were before, to love what we hated and to hate what we once loved. Change is complete in Christ through the Spirit. We want that, Lord, may that be our experience today and going forward into the new week and into the new city Jerusalem, which will be meeting us very soon. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.